When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Talking City podcast. I am joined by Chief Football Writer for Manchester City, Stu Brennan. Hello, Hi, Stu. Hi, okay. And Football Writer, Dan O'Toole. Hi, Dan. You're right. So, another international break is upon us. We've played eight games so far, 20 points, six wins, two draws. Life's good at the moment for City. Yeah, the fascinating thing is we've been hearing about Liverpool having the best start in their league history and they're still behind City. So you kind of think, hold on a minute, you know, what's what's going on here? This this is Liverpool's big season. We're eight games in. Um, they're having this wonderful campaign that everyone's been raving about and uh, who's sitting at the top of the table? But, but, but City, as they did for just about all of last season. So yeah, it's, and City haven't really started yet. You know, the... Uh, they played well, they played very well at times, but we've still not seen the City that we saw last season. Um, part of that down to Kevin De Bruyne um, not being fit. Uh, partly down to a little bit of a hangover from the World Cup, but I think every club has been experiencing that. But I think the message is clear that the best is yet to come from City. I'm not sure how much better Liverpool can get, but I know for a fact that City can get an awful lot better. Yeah, it's, it's almost strange that, I mean, I'll, Dan will bring you in a second, but it, it's strange that City are sitting top, but all you hear in the media and stuff is how well Liverpool are playing and how well Chelsea are playing. But almost with City, it's almost like it's what you've come to expect now that they will just be either sitting top of the league or second. I mean, what, do you, what do you make of it, Dan? It's, it's almost, it's, it's just interesting, isn't it, watching City at the moment? Well, I, th- I think that's just tantamount to, you know, it's testament to how good they were last season that, you know, this season they're just expected to be up there. It's, it's almost no big deal for City to have, you know, like Stu said, Liverpool got their best start ever and City have still eclipsing it without really getting, you know, hitting top gear. I, th- I still think they've got a, you know, a decent way to go to, you know, stop producing the performances that swept everyone away last season. I think, like Stu says, De Bruyne coming back will make a, a lot of difference. Uh, it was almost like a bit of a test, really, to see how they could cope without De Bruyne. Uh, since August, I think that they'll they'll consider that they've passed that with with flying colours. Yeah, do you, do you think almost the Champions League defeat, the Leons, almost like brought took almost like not only expectations, but people's almost like buzz around City down a little bit? Do you, do you think yeah, that? yeah. I mean, some people reacted to it as if that was it. City were finished now. You know, they they were brilliant last season, hundred points and all that, but uh, they've been found out. You know, people know how to do them. Uh, Leon went to the Etihad and, and bit which which is true, you know, it was it was a bad defeat and everything, but it was the first of a of a group game. And to be honest, it, it was a weird one because I, I felt that, that that was coming. That that result has been coming for a while. Uh just because of the law of averages, nothing more. You know, no team carries on a run like the one City had been on. Uh, without having a hiccup every now and then. Last season, I mean, they lost to Liverpool. They lost to Liverpool three times. Uh, they lost to United. So the only teams that actually beat them um, were other top teams. They weren't losing to to 
lesser teams, if you like. I mean, I, I hate, I hesitate to put Leon in that bracket because I thought they played really, really well. But Leon are not one of the top European teams. Uh, if they're in the Premier League, they'd struggle to get in the top five or six. Um, but I, I thought that that result against a team that isn't a big team has been coming for a while because everybody does it. Everybody loses. Of course, City lost to Wigan last season. That was a that was a hiccup last season. And then, then people were sort of jumping all over it, which is fair enough because it was a, a a big result for Wigan, a giant killing and everything, and everybody loves that unless it happens to you. Leon wasn't quite a giant killing, but it was that result that law of averages dictates will happen to you every now and then. Um, what City have shown certainly in the last eight years, I think, but even more so under Guardiola, is that they react, is their response to to a bad result. Uh, And I think they have responded to that. And I think that a lot of teams are going to pay because of City's response. What do you think about that, Dan? Do you think it's just just a hiccup or is there a bit more to it and there's a bit of weakness there at at City? I think think Pep said himself, I think it was a Fulham game that preceded that defeat, that he was worried that, you know, a bit of... A little bit of something was creeping in, maybe a bit of, you know, taking the foot off the gas a little bit. So I think he, as much as anyone, was quite wary of what could happen if that, you know, if, if they did lower the standard or if they did, you know, just expect to win. Uh, I think Leon was another example of teams proper going after City and how City can be got at that way. Uh, I know Liverpool did it a lot last season. Um, Wolves did it to a certain degree in the, the League Cup last season. Um so yeah, I think we have over the past, I don't know, about 10 months. So we have, we've seen one or two signs of how you can beat City. Um, but, you know, I know Pep's definitely looking at ways of combating that. We saw the, you know, the the performance at Liverpool, it wasn't particularly gung-ho going forward, but it was very solid at the back. I think that's one thing that we'll be particularly delighted with. Um, you know, it didn't, it didn't really seem to, the mood at City wasn't like it was the end of the world, that they just, you know, missed a, a, a late penalty against Liverpool. Maybe it would have been last season because there's look looking to win games, but I think he's look he's perhaps you know taken made particular effort to uh, to show things up at the back this season to make sure that that you know that uh, avenue can't be exploited. Yeah, it's interesting that you think of Mares scores that penalty and you, everyone's thinking a city walk and they're going to walk the league. It just shows the small margins that are in football. We'll get onto the player ratings in a second, so. I just want to ask, if you were to rate this season so far, eight league games in, as well as Champions League, out of 10, what would you guys both go with? And I'll start with you, Stuart. I'll go with a solid eight, simply because I know, I mean, last season was probably a nine, uh, getting close to a 10 in in some regards. Um, But I know that there's still room for improvement. Um, so I, yeah, in terms a nice of what, solid eight. In terms of results or players or uh, well, in terms in terms of De Bruyne coming back for one. Uh, in terms of performance on the field, I think they can you know they, they, they can they, they they play some great football this season. But I don't think they've quite hit the heights that we saw. You know, some some of the, you think of some of the goals. The goal I always think of is the one they scored at Arsenal. Uh, in the league just after they beaten them in the Carabao Cup final where they worked it from the back and, and Sane finished it off. Uh, I don't. We've seen some good goals this season, but I don't think we've anything, seen anything to, to compare with that. And at that point, City were absolutely blowing teams away. I remember when they went to Everton, which has traditionally been a difficult place for City to go, uh, and they battered them. You know, they won, was it 3-0, I think? My, my memory's not great, but I think it was 3-0. And... Uh, I was asking Kevin De Bruyne about it afterwards and he said 
we, I mean, it sounds an arrogant thing to say, but De Bruyne is, is so not an arrogant person that you knew he was just being completely honest. And he said, we looked at the Everton players and they had no idea what to do. He said they had a look in their eyes of bewilderment that they could not figure out how they could cope with what was coming at them. Um, and that, you know, that wasn't him being being arrogant and saying how good they are. He was basically saying that is a result of the way Guardiola sets them up, the way he, he sort of analyses the opposition and nullifies their strengths and exploits their weaknesses uh, to the point where the opposition are at a total loss as to how to deal with it. Um, so we haven't hit that. You know, that, that happened time and time and time again in that second half of the season. Teams were beaten before they went out. It's a fresh season. Leon have already won at City, um, and people, you know, people think, yeah, we'll give them a try. They, they, they can't be as good as they were last season. So, you know, City have still got to hit that point where they're dominating teams to the point of of destroying their morale. Yeah, nine out of ten last season. Or could have been better last well, season. <laughs> yeah, well, only only if you're talking about the league season, it was a ten out of ten. You know, there's no doubt about that. But in terms of City and where they want to go, they win the Champions League as well. That's a ten out of ten. I'm always wary of ten out of ten because you think if you give ten out of ten, you know, it's like, it's like if you give uh, David, uh, David Silver ten out of ten for beat, for a great performance against Huddersfield, yeah. you think, all right. So if he does it in the Champions League final against Barcelona, what mark are we going to give him then? Kind of thing. So you've, I think you've always got to leave yourself a little bit of leeway. It's experience, that Ash. Yeah. So that's what that, is. <laughs> that makes sense. Dan, I think I go slightly higher than an eight. Uh, simply down to the fact that they've been without Kevin De Bruyne and Benjamin Mendy for a decent portion of the season. Um, I think De Bruyne gives the side a bit of bite maybe that you're lacking when you, you've got David and David and Bernardo Silva. Um, so I think they've done particularly well, especially with the games they've had to you know to keep the run going uh, in De Bruyne's absence. And at left back has been quite a bit of chopping and changing this season, hasn't there? Um, you know, Mendy's had his problems. Um, they've had Delph in, they've had Zinchenko in, and it's been fairly seamless, I'd say. Um, so I think you know that's that's an encouraging sign for when you get to the Christmas period and invariably there are more knocks and you know the games are coming Saturday Tuesday if not more. Um, so as you, I'd say that you know Guardiola has navigated a relatively difficult time pretty well. Um, I don't think you can have too many complaints with it. So for that reason, I'd go slightly higher than than the eight. No fractions allowed. No fractions. Well, I'm not giving them nine. Too so confusing. A nine, and so. You would look at it in terms of De Bruyne coming back as well for that being the 10, like obviously being close to a 10. Well, we don't know how they would have played with De Bruyne, do we? But I think, you know, they, they took the, the injuries that came in the stride. You know, you've got Brava going, you've got De Bruyne, De Bruyne getting injured, you've got yeah, the, the Mendy problems. Um, I think that, that's been dealt with in a, in a, a you know pretty efficient manner. So yeah. I, th- I think it, it bodes well for after the international break, should, should De Bruyne come back. Just imagine the, the, there is another factor here, of course, that everyone's sort of expecting De Bruyne to come back and be the player that he was last season, where he's consistently excellent, rarely had a bad game. Again, law of averages. I kind of think that De Bruyne is due a flat spell. Every player, you know, Messi has it, you know, Ronaldo's had it. Every great player there's ever been has had a flat spell at some point in their career. It's how, how short you keep those flat spells. So you kind of think De Bruyne could come back and be, I mean, he's he's not great when he's he's been out as well. So you kind of think he, everyone's sort of building him up and really expecting and waiting for him to come back and start, you know, 
curling the ball into the top corner from 30 yards and pinging those incredible 50-yard passes onto somebody's instep. Uh, but I, I, it's going to take a while for De Bruyne to get back to that, I think. Uh, so, you know, again, it's it's not like De Bruyne's going to come back and sit here, just going to bang, you know, go straight into top gear. That's an important one for all the fantasy football players out there to, <laughs> to remember. I'm not taking the rap for that. If he comes back and scores a hat-trick on, on his first game back, I'm not having the rap that, from all these fantasy football managers. <laughs> right, so we're going to move on to player ratings for the season so far. And I thought we'd break them down into three, three almost three categories. Best player, surprising, surpri- most biggest surprise of the season, and the most underperforming player, which would seem a bit harsh considering City are top, but that's how we'll word it. So... I'll start with you, Dan. Who would you go with for your best City player of the season so far? I'd say Aymeric Laporte has impressed me the most. Uh, it's a close run thing between him and Bernardo Silva in, in midfield. Obviously, he's come inside. And he's been he's probably possibly been City's most dependable creative outlet, uh, Bernardo. But at the same time, I think Aymeric Laporte has gone and really established himself as possibly the first choice centre-back now. I think he's got the lot. I think he, he suits the way Pep plays perfectly in that he's a footballer first and foremost, but he does have that power, that strength um, to play in the Premier League. Um, I think him and John Stones, especially on the evidence of the Liverpool game last week, is really starting to, to develop a relationship and understanding with each other. And uh, I think that bodes well. Uh, I can see company and Otamendi sort of being used intermittently, but uh, you know, you'd know, you imagine that company would be, would be used as a bit of an influence, like a guiding light for that partnership. Uh, I know he's spoken quite often about becoming a coach and you know be, being the sort of the guiding light in the dressing room and I think it'll be interesting to see how that plays out yeah it's, it is interesting with City because when you look at the central defensive partnerships from the outside looking in you just look at it and you think well if Laporte if Laporte and Stones can't play then you can put company or Mendy and there's so many different variations that you kind of don't really see from other clubs other clubs just tend to have two centre-backs and that's their first two centre-backs but with City it's a lot more and you touched on Bernardo as well. What have you seen from him this season in comparison to maybe this time last season that it's up this game? Like, and what what areas have you seen more from him? I think he's more suited to playing infield rather than out wide. Maybe he doesn't have that burst of pace that Sterling and um, and Sané have. I think he's more of a you know a, a clever player in that regard. Um, he, he can pick a pass. He can float past a player. He can play a nice you know one two around the corner. I think he's he's particularly adept to, to doing that, and I think he's he's obviously the natural heir to David Silver, who's he's not young anymore, is he? He won't be able to play, you know, the the fifty odd games whatever it is each season. So I think it's it's a good time for him to make that transition infield. I think you have to earn Guardiola's trust to be able to do that to play infield. I think you know you're, you're less of a danger, you're you're less of a risk to the team playing out wide. So you know maybe last season was a case of. Oh, can he keep the ball? Can he keep, keep, keep hold of it? Can he not lose it in the dangerous areas? And I think he's passed that test and, and Guardiola seems to fancy him uh, playing, you know, in that two in front of uh, Fernandinho. Of course, oh. the, the other side to that, we've been talking about De Bruyne coming back. Guardiola is going to have a heck of a selection problem. It's a nice one to have, but it's still going to be a tough one because does De Bruyne coming back in mean, what does it mean? Does it mean that Bernardo stays in and David Silva goes to the bench? Does it mean that De Bruyne comes back in and Bernardo goes back to the right wing uh, where, where he played most of last season? Um, like Dan said, he, he's been so much better 
when he's played inside. I think he was very good out on that right-hand side. But a player like him who's clever off both feet and he's, he's got an eye for a pass. If, if you're playing in a central position, you can go either way. You know, you can go left, you can go right, you can create, you can make a space and shoot. Uh, if you're playing on the right-hand side, there's only really one way to go. You know, you, you're going towards the goal. Uh, otherwise, you're wasting your time. Uh, so I, th- I think he's such a clever player and a creative player uh, and a player who can use both feet well um, that playing that central position suits him. But where, how does that fit in now De Bruyne's on the point of coming back? Um, I mean, there is a... Uh, he, he showed he's got another string to his bow by playing a lot deeper against Liverpool. I mean, he's never going to be a defensive midfielder because he's not got the physical attributes, but he certainly did a very good job there. Um, you wonder in future about De Bruyne playing that role as well because he's got all the physical attributes. Um, but again, you, you're sort of wasting your best talents. You, you're wasting De Bruyne if you play him deep. You're wasting Bernardo Silva if you play him out wide. But it's still better having Bernardo Silva on the right than it is having, um, you know, another player in, in, a, in a wrong position. Um, so, yeah, I mean, Bernardo has been brilliant. He's... He, <laughs> Him and Laporte, as as Dan said, uh, are probably the two players who've stepped up most this season uh, and, and made a big difference. And of course, Mendy before his injury was making a big difference as well. Um, uh, Aguero, but you expect it of Aguero. Silva's the same. He's been playing well. David Silva, that is. Um, but you expect it from him. You know, he's been doing it for eight years now, and he's, he's not showing any signs of slowing down. Uh, but yeah, you know, I hate to be boring, but I'd have to agree with, with Dan in that it's Bernardo and Laporte. Are the Unanimous two agreement. Yeah, yeah, it won't last. <laughs> if you had to go, if you had to make your mind up on one of them out of the two, who would you both go for, Dan? I'd have Laporte. Stu. Yeah, in terms of making a difference to to what City had last season, Laporte, because defensively that was the only area where they weren't entirely strong. They, I mean, they were strong enough but there was room for improvement and I think Laporte has made that improvement so yeah I'd go for him as well I think him being left footed as well is particularly useful for the team I think it adds a bit more balance to the, the back line because uh, obviously in Otamendi company and Stones you've got three right footed players there and, and someone being predominantly you know left sided I think on the left hand side of, of that defensive partnership I think that gives City maybe something slightly different that they didn't have last season so like, like Stu says I think in a way it's almost like a you know the cliched new signing isn't it in that He's he's come back after a, a decent preseason. He won at the World Cup, um, and he, he's offering something slightly different. It's like you know a bit of a, a slight upgrade on on what they had last season. Mm. So this leads us on to the next one, which could also make Laporta fall under. It's the biggest surprise of the season so far, in a good way. Who would who would you go for, Stu? Uh, the biggest surprise, yeah. Well, yeah, it would have to be Laporte again because uh, I think he. It's probably harsh, but in, in my head, probably not in Pep's head, but in my head, he finished the season as the fourth centre back last year. Um, company and Otamendi were the two that that Pep turned to to get him over the line in the league. The two experienced heads, uh, Stones was was sort of stepping in when when those two needed a rest or were injured or whatever. Um, and Laporte was, I mean, probably because he was, he was new, you know, he was, he'd stepped in in January into a new system. Uh, and that, that must've been really tough. He'd not had a pre-season. Um, you talk to any of the City players. I remember, uh, 
Vincent Company saying that when Guardiola start, started holding training sessions at City, he said at first I thought he was speaking Chinese. He said, you know, this is an experienced player who's, who's seen it all really, and, you know, uh, across Europe. Uh, and he, he, he was struggling to grasp, and he's a very intelligent player as well, and he was struggling to grasp what Guardiola was trying to impart to him. Uh, so you can imagine a young player coming in in January uh, without the benefit of pre-season and in the middle of where you don't have time because it's game after game after game. You're not getting a lot of time to to uh, to prepare for games and, and to explain systems and, and, and reactions and so on. Um, for Laporte to step into that was, was, was quite tough really and that probably explains why he wasn't number one in Pep's head. But this season, I mean, the fact that he didn't go to the World Cup with France helped him because he was in training from day one. Most of the other players were away at the World Cup, but Pep had the time to, to deal with him and get him ready. And I think he's that that is bearing fruit now. You know, the fact that he had a full pre-season, he looked good on tour. Um, and I think Pep has gone into the season. He basically, I think he's his number one. He's possibly his first name on the team sheet. Um, because he's he's played just about every game. He started just about every game. Uh, he's hardly put a foot wrong. I thought he was trem- I thought he was the best player on the pitch at Anfield. Um, and he's he's added that dimension, like Dan said. It's not just about last season. We were talking about his football ability, his passing. He was pinging passes. He's added to that. He's shown that he's he's a class defender as well as a class footballer. Yeah, I think on that you'd imagine that Guardiola. You know, it'll be open that. Laporte won't be involved with the France team for you know for some time to come because you know he, every six weeks at the minute he's having a, a ten day break so to speak and I think that'll you know keep things really fresh for going into the, the Christmas period and it is a wonder how on earth he's not getting into that France open. Is he in the latest France squad? Is he? No, no. no. I think I think what's holding. It, I mean, you, you look at they've got some good good central defenders, not least Varane and Umtiti, but. I think what's held him back is that he had a dalliance with Spain because he's he's of Basque origin. He's you know he's he's got Basque right. descent, um, and I think he was getting frustrated a couple of years ago that, that France weren't picking him up. He was he was an under twenty one France international, but that doesn't disqualify him from from playing for mm. for Spain. Spain were dead keen to to get him on board, uh, and they they sort of courted him a little bit, and I think. Perhaps unwisely, he went along with that a little bit and sort of said, oh, I don't know, you know, and I think that's sort of done him down a little bit. The, the, the French, obviously very patriotic, and they didn't like the idea that he was sort of playing games uh, in terms of his nationality and saying, well, if you don't want to play for the blue shirt, well, we, we're not going to come crawling to you kind of thing. So I think he's paying for that a little bit. Now, whether he'll end up uh, abandoning France and going off and, and playing for Spain. I don't know. He, he, last time he was asked about it, he said he had no intention to do that. He was sort of committed to France. But that hasn't worked because he's been left out of the squad again. You, you kind of think, no matter how many good centre-halves you've got, there's uh, there's not, not any better than him at the moment in Europe, I don't think, in terms of French centre-halves. Well, it's fair to say that France has lost his city's gain in that Absolutely. regard. Absolutely. City won't be crying about it, that's for sure. <laughs> and underperforming players it does sound harsh but Dan I'll start with you on this one is there anyone who maybe has disappointed you slightly or maybe underperformed I think Gabriel Jesus will be frustrated that he can't seem to you know get his foot in the door at City um, he's had his chances Aguero you know he, he's just unshakable at the minute isn't he I think um, I, th- I think Jesus will be irritated that he's not when he's been given his chance and he's been given you know half an hour at the end of a game he's not really cracked on yet 
Um, I think, you know, he's been at City a good while now. Um, uh, he didn't have the best of World Cups. Uh, so I think, you know, he's he'll be very much after a bit of a purple patch soonish, just, you know, to justify the hype that surrounds him. Do you? Yeah, I'd agree with that. I mean, he, he finished last season with the, the biggest bang of all, scoring that last-minute goal at Southampton that, that topped the hundred points, and you know, it, it was a, it was a huge high for him and for the club, uh, and, and for the players and fans. Um, and then he he went off to the World Cup, and you know, you kind of think, is he going to surf that wave into the World Cup? But he didn't. He had a poor World Cup. Um, we all forget sometimes just how young he is. You know, he's achieved so much. He's won, he's won a Brazilian title. He's won an English title um, and other trophies as well. He, he's been capped quite a few times for Brazil. He wears a number nine shirt and he, he's still only a kid. Uh, and, and we forget that. And kids, young players, don't don't just go on a, a steep upward curve. You know, they always hit plateaus. Um, and I think he's he's had a little bit of a plateau not helped, as Dan said, by the fact that Aguero has been very, very good and undroppable. Um, and that, that is what Aguero has got over him. You know, Aguero is still a consummate goal scorer. He's a brilliant goal scorer. Um, he's got other asset aspects to his game. Um, what sets Jesus aside is his work rate. That's what Pep Guardiola really likes about him. I'm not saying, I mean, obviously he's a, he's a quality footballer as well. He's got, he's got, Good touch. I wouldn't say great touch. That's something he can develop. Um, he's got a bit of pace, but not great pace. Uh, and he has scored goals, but he doesn't score as many goals as Aguero. Uh, and when you, all those other attributes, the City have already got pace and everything, and creativity and invention right through the team. Uh, Aguero provides the finish. Jesus doesn't always provide that finish, and that's what's holding him back. But he's a young player. He'll learn from Aguero uh, and he's, he's got time on his side. I think there's an argument to say that potentially Aguero is one of the more surprising players this season because, uh, you know, he had his injury. Then, well, it was a persistent injury that was troubling him, wasn't it, at the end of the last season. He had his operation. Uh, has a lot of time off for that. Goes to the World Cup. It was an absolute disaster for, for Argentina. Um, he was, you know, partly held for that within, within all, you know, the mess that occurred there and you, you do sort of think when is he going to slow down at City and you know Guardiola came in and it was all about like Stu says weight rate up front but you know Aguero has been able to adapt himself to that which I, I think is one, probably his greatest achievement at City forget the goals been able to to work your way into Pep's way of doing things when it's not something that naturally comes to Aguero I don't think he, you know, like Stu says, he's an out and out, out and out number nine. He's, he's you know, your, your fox in the box, so to speak. Um, but he, he's been able to up his work rate, even though it's something I think slightly foreign to him. Um, he's managed to shake off the niggling injuries and still uh, 30, 31. 30, I think, yeah, 30, I think, yeah. yeah. Um, he's just still there, showing absolutely no signs whatsoever of slowing down. Um, I think there's always a feeling that he'd, he would end up leaving either this summer or the, the following summer. But, you know, he's pledged his future to 2021, I believe. Yeah. Um, and, you know, it'd be a surprise to, to see him go any time before that. I, I think I think Aguero, more, more than any other player at City, encapsulates Guardiola's genius. Because, uh, you know, you, you get other fans who are saying, oh, Guardiola's never proved himself. He's only ever done it when he's had big players, big money, you know, at Barcelona and Bayern Munich. And then he came to City where they've got all the money in the world. 
what they don't seem to realise is how much he improves already great players. Aguero is already a legend at, at Manchester City, you know, and w- shortly into his reign, Guardiola started talking about whenever he was asked about Aguero, he would sort of, mm, yeah, but he can improve, he can get better. And we're all thinking, what are you talking about? How can this man get any better? I wonder to me why he's never really been considered in that rung slightly you know, below Messi and Ronaldo. Because you know the consistency with which he's performed for City in the Premier League has just been ridiculous at times, hasn't it? It has, but Champions League, I think that's, mm. that's the key to it. Messi's done it in the Champions League, Ronaldo's done it in the Champions League. Uh, they've been like the key men to inspire their team to win those. Um, I mean, you could argue with those two, they've not done it in a World Cup, you know, as Maradona did uh, and Pele did. So there's an, that's that's the argument against Messi being one of the all-time greats. But that is the argument against Aguero. When it's come to the Champions League, we've seen him miss penalties. We've seen him uh, have poor games. I remember that Real Madrid semi-final in the Champions League in Pellegrini's final season. Um, he had a shot late on that hit the roof of the net, but he didn't do a great deal else. Uh, so that that is that is why he's not been considered. You know, I think I think these days. You've got to do. He's if he was doing it at international level, he has, he has been decent at international level, but he's never again. He's never hit that that top notch. Uh, he's been absolutely brilliant in Premier League, um, outstanding. But Champions League not quite hit it. World Cup uh, and Copa America not quite hit it. But uh, just still an amazing player and uh, one who I know City fans are um, absolutely feel privileged to have to have witnessed. It's fair to say with two more seasons, is it two more seasons after this one he has left on his contract? Before yep, yep, one yeah. Do you think he could have that top Premier League top goal scorer record in mind? Or is that a bit too Oh, it's a long way to go. What was it? Shearer's, Shearer's it with 260. I mean, he's, yeah. he's still got, what, what, 100 and, is it 110 to go or something like that? 110. Oh, yeah, so, you know, it's, it's a big ask. But, you would never put it past Aguero. You know, you, you see Salah scoring, how many did he score last season? 30-odd in league 30 games. Yeah. We, we're topping our stats, us like that. Yeah. I'm, I'm sure other podcasters have them all written out and uh, computer screens <laughs> for, for quick reference, but we're, we're a bit shoddier than that. But, you know, you, you, wouldn't, you wouldn't put it past uh, Aguero. Uh, I mean, uh, he's not going to hit Shearer, but, you know, he's going to get up there. I think Rooney's number two in the charts, isn't he? And mm. he's got a chance of, of, of surpassing Rooney and City fans would love that, of course. But he won't be short of service, that's for sure. No, exactly, yeah. exactly. No, that's brilliant. Um, that's all we have time for this week. I'd like to thank you both for joining me, Stuart and Dan. Thank, thank you very much. Don't forget to subscribe to us on Acast and give us a five star review on iTunes if you want you don't have to it's just a plea thank you